Hi, and welcome to Edge Church Podcasts. To get connected, visit our website, edgechurch.co.za, or send us a WhatsApp on 073-013-8426. Say hi, and we'll connect with you. Our sermons can be found on our YouTube channel. Today, we're in our series, God, Why? Knowing that we have a God who welcomes our questions. Enjoy listening to the sermon. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all and a warm welcome on this long weekend. I know many folk are away, enjoying a well-deserved break. Greetings to those that are online with us. Good to have you. Pastor Daniel, Leandri, and uh, little Rachel on a well-deserved break. So they're away. And I get the privilege with Barbie. Nana and Papa gets to babysit. Nuggy. Nuggy is the dog. <laughs> so we serve and love it. Yes, we'll stop there. Well, this series, God Why, has been a challenging series. It scratches deeply in places that we thought we buried or we've moved on. Somehow we tend to just move past those things that came our way. But if we're very honest and vulnerable, we've all asked that question. Why God didn't you answer my prayer? Why God did this happen? Especially when you something traumatic came your way. You never saw it coming kind of invades your life kind of sweeps you off your feet unsettles you shakes you and throws you into a spin you get confused you struggle struggle to understand how God fits in and Often in that period, there's a strain in your relationship with God. You don't understand it. and So often we've been so raised to understand God. God who's a mystery far above us all. But we struggle with that. But I want to assure you that asking why is not a sin. It's not a sign that or an indicator that you're not spiritual, that you're a poor Christian, that you lack faith. You see, when you go through the process, it is your humanity engaging with God. You see, you, you can't separate your humanity from your spirituality we were made body soul and spirit and for some reason we think that if I can suppress these emotions these thoughts I'm spiritual how you doing brother praise Jesus he's alive I know he's alive how you doing oh God is good I know God is good so we struggle to come to terms that we can engage God on this journey 
that it's not a sin. It's actually part of your journey of discovering, of deepening, of understanding your relationship with Him. Not necessarily understanding Him. Coming to be honest and know what's happening inside of you. discover that we all go through trials part of living in this world I want you to hear what Jesus said that in spite of our struggles our pains, our disappointments our betrayals, our illnesses our dreaded illnesses our financial crises he speaks to his disciples he says you're on earth you will have many trials. I want you to notice and sorrows. Trials and sorrows. He's contrasting this earth with a day that there will be never a tear. There will never be a moment of sadness. He'll wipe every tear from your eyes when you're with him. There's no pain. There's no sorrow. When it takes us to be with Him, we'll live with Him forever. But He says on this earth. And then He says, take heart. I've overcome this world. In other words, you will overcome this and you will come to be with me. But in this world. Over the years, I've journeyed with people. I've seen them go through pain, trials, sorrow. I've heard their cries. Without words, I've seen it on their face. Why, Lord? Why, God, I prayed, I fasted. Why didn't you answer my prayer? Why didn't you come through for me? God invites you to bring those things, as I've mentioned before. Your brokenness, your woundedness. Over the many years as a minister, got saved almost 51 years ago following Jesus. Been serving God. I've seen and conducted many funerals, sad moments. I've seen little boxes this big, painted white of a little child. I stood with the parents, seen them sob. I've heard the cries of a mourning husband as he sees his wife still waiting to be taken by the undertakers, looking at her in disbelief, died in her sleep, died in his arms, standing at his bedside, watching him cry out, no man, no, no, no. And the children, her sons, broken, grieving and weeping. Sorrow, 
in this world. I have imprinted in my memory walking into a hospital ward, seeing a mother holding a little baby daughter of a few months old who had just died. The father standing by, dazed. Grandparents, weeping. The doctors and the nurses had fought to save her little life, tried to revive her as the parents looked on, but she died. I remember the mother clinging to this little dear baby in her arms who looked like a little angel, dazed. I could hear the words without words spoken. Why? Those memories are etched in my mind forever. You see, everyone that has faced sorrows, hardships, threaded diseases, near-death experiences, Everyone has a story. Their loved ones tell a story. I found that many during those times have prayed. Asking God. And when you stand alongside them, they don't say it, but I can hear them saying it without words. Why? Didn't God answer my prayer? I want to take some time this morning to share my story, my journey over the last five years, my journey how I grappled with that question. Why didn't you answer my prayer? As recent as January 2020, I stood before our congregation and said that at the end of that year, 2020, the 20th of Jan, but the end in December 2020, I'll be standing down as a lead pastor of its church. And two months later, we went through a world pandemic that left so much brokenness, trauma, Sadness. People standing at the window on the outside of a hospital looking at their loved one, husband, wife, child, saying goodbye as they died. Trauma. People losing their jobs. People losing their loved ones. Devastating. It was in that time of that pandemic, Donovan Kutsia, the national leader of the Assemblies of God, announced that he was transitioning leadership, which I was a part of, to a new leadership team. I'd served for 20 years alongside Donovan as a national leader in the Assemblies of God.
we had seen many challenges and worked through them and stood with each other for many years. We had a deep relationship. I affectionately called him B. Now, you've got to handle this one. His name is actually Donovan with a D. So I called him B and people would say, something wrong with this boy, he's dyslexic or what? And then he would respond, don't worry B, but my name is P, Petra. Left the people confused. His son one day said to him, why do you call him B? His name is Pedro, not Pedro. And what does he call you B? Bonavan. That's what he, we never told him why. I shared this for the first time publicly why I called him B at his memorial service. I called him B because he was my boss, my leader, my brother, my bra, and my bestie. Bobby and I would meet with him and Patricia, his wife, every Sunday night after church. We'd have a light meal together. We called it our life group, but it was actually our eating group. (laughs) We'd share about the week, our children, our disappointments. We went from Donald Trump right across to England, China, the world, solving their problems. But we were very vulnerable and shared our pain and grief. It was a safe place. I remember during lockdown, we would even talk on video almost daily. We celebrated his 70th birthday. Look at these two old men. I had a children's cap on, he had a children's cap up, and we were laughing and singing songs to each other, I'm crazy, but we celebrated his 70th birthday then on the 27th of April, on Freedom Day, I celebrated his birthday, the 73rd birthday, which is no longer with us, this past Thursday, it was two days, excuse me, One day after he celebrated his 70th birthday on the 27th of April, that he went into a hospital for pain in his back that he'd been complaining about. They decided to do a scan to see maybe there's some fracture in his spine or something. But they found a tumor. And five days later, it was confirmed that he had cancer, a very aggressive form of cancer. It shook my world. He started treatment immediately. We prayed. We fasted. I was part of a group that prayed online regularly for him. I prayed with leaders across the country in South Africa and people from overseas connected. Churches prayed. Nations prayed. During his treatment, I would phone him every day. Hello, B. How are you doing? Silence. P. 
been a rough night. And so we would talk. He fought the cancer bravely, courageously. But he was always thankful, grateful for God's mercy and grace. But I saw his suffering, shared his tears. In December 2021, <clears throat> he was totally bedridden. He had paralyzed from the waist down. I'd visit regularly, sit by his bedside, pray. Then he slipped into a semi-coma. And the 7th of February, 2020, he went to be with the Lord. His reward. It was a bittersweet day knowing that I would mourn. I struggled, grieved. But I was privileged to have walked with him. Part of the struggle was why I'm telling his story was that two weeks before he died I was diagnosed with stage four bone cancer in my right jaw bone. He never knew. But I was carrying that. Not that I wanted to share with him but watching him suffer in 2014 I had been treated for prostate cancer and colon cancer and the treatment was successful but this came as a shock to me I've been told by all the doctors you're the most unlikely candidate to get this kind of cancer so in March 2020, I had surgery to remove the bone in my cancer jaw and replace it with the bone from my leg. So if I have foot and mouth disease now, <laughs> so if I make mistakes and talk nonsense, just bear with me, okay? It's the foot and mouth. I spent 20 days in hospital and began treatment and recovery for eight months. Why am I linking these two? Suffering deep mourning for a Jonathan in my life, like David. Fought in many battles in the church. Battles meaning issues we had to sort out. And it was during my recovery that I'd spend long moments and times of silence lifting my heart to God, being open and vulnerable to Him and reflecting with Him. I came to a place to share how I felt. I think of Donovan, I think of me. How we both had fought the good fight and I was fighting the fight as well. How we long to serve him with our whole heart. How we long to give our best for God. And yes, I asked, why Lord? I prayed, why both of us? Couldn't you spare us to live our lives out in retirement with each other, talking nonsense together? Share our lives with our grandchildren now families 
I remember seeing Bobby in the new flat that we built on our house for retirement. We had just been in there for a month. She is sitting on the couch, tears streaming down her, feet, her eyes, and uh, she doesn't cry often. In fact, I can count it on my hands when she cries, but tears just rolling nonstop. I said, what's wrong? She said, oh, Pedro, Donovan is gone. And now you? I so much wanted you to enjoy this little new flat and enjoy our retirement with him as well. But God was gracious. I'm still in recovery. But I asked God, why did you heal him? Not heal him, but heal me. I was sitting in Patricia's company, almost not wanting to celebrate my coming through cancer because of the heartache she was feeling. So this morning I want to share my learnings, my experiences regarding this question, why God didn't you answer my prayer? I make a disclaimer, I'm not going to look at the question from an apologetic approach. I'm not going to throw verses left and right. I'm just going to share with you my learnings, my encounters with God over those four years and especially the last two years. But my journey with God that brought me to a place of rest and a deeper understanding of him and his love for me. I want to share four things. There are many things I learned, but I, I want to just share four things that I try to narrow down. Number one, I am deeply convinced with all my heart as I stand before you. It will utter from my lips until I die. God does hear every prayer. And he does answer prayer. That knowledge was an anchor that he wasn't cold hearted, that he wasn't switched off from me. That was an anchor to me that God wants to hear. That was my security, my compass, my guidance, my solace, that God was not deaf to me. That he invited me to come, share my broken heart, and that he does answer prayer. Bobby and I served for 12 years on the mission station and six years in the Cape Flats. And we saw how God provided for us, healed our children, protected us in a war zone. Provided vehicles for us. We have seen God answer prayer. But now, I deepened that. The anchor in my life was the assurance from God's word. Psalm 119, 
verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path in this darkness that I was feared, sensing the unknowns, what's going to happen, what's the scan going to say, when, what will they say, is it, why did he die? All of that darkness, he became the light. The Bible invites us. I discovered that he invites us to come reason with me, come sit with me, come talk to me. Come in silence and listen to my heart for you, Pedro. Jeremiah 33, call to me and I will answer you. Exodus chapter 2 from the Message Bible. Reading this one moved me. The Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out. Their cries for relief from their hard labor ascended to God. God listened to their groanings. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, and with Pedro. God saw what was going on with Israel. And for Pedro, God understood my pain, my doubts, my fears. Yes, God does answer prayer. I will love to cry out from my last breath. But he doesn't always answer our prayers in the way that we want him to. Second thing I learned on my journey. That I was always. God's beloved child. The grammar is not a good construction on the sentence. But I chose to make it known. I am always. Altaid. Forever. God's beloved child. I'm not an orphan. I haven't been abandoned. He hasn't left me. Sort this thing out. Mark chapter 1 and verse 11, he speaks of his son. You are my son, chosen and marked by my love, pride of my life. Those were the words spoken over Jesus and those were the words God spoke over my life. Speaks over your life. I deepened that knowledge that I was unconditionally loved, secured in his love. That I could live from that place in the midst of not knowing what the next step would become, what the results were. With a deep belief that God loves me unconditionally, it became the anchor that I could face the challenges. I, I'm God's beloved. Now many of us know that God loves us unconditionally, theoretically. <clears throat> theoretically means, yes, I believe the Bible's true. God does love everybody. But I'm not sure about me. I believe God answers prayer. But I'm not sure about me. That's a theoretical. 
we don't live from that place of knowing that God cannot not but love you. It is impossible for God not to love you. You think it's reserved for the special holy people and that God is dealing with you because some things you've done wrong. That's not our God. That's the deceiver telling you that. No, it's not reserved only for God's exceptional Christians. Unconditional love means that when you even disappoint him, even when you fail him, even when you grieve him, even when you're out of fellowship with him, he still loves you. Please give an amen. I think I'm preaching the truth. He loves you even when it's difficult for you to love yourself. 1 John, love comes from God. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that God, He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That He holds you close when you think He's not there. Hebrews says he will never fail you, never abandon you. God is always with you. He is always on your side. He is always coming after you to find you when you get lost. He is for you. Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who will be against us? The third thing I learned came as a surprise to me. But as I spent time in silence in this period of grieving and going through my cancer, that I was to live my life walking in forgiveness. Forgiving others. For offenses, hurts, criticism, judgment. That I was to come to that gateway of repentance. And you say repentance, isn't this about the big sins you do? No, repentance of my heart, my self-righteousness. My sense that I was better than what I was. Coming to God in confession. You say, but don't you only confess the big sins? No, confessing my attitude, my judgmental thoughts. My opinions that I'm right always. Asking God to forgive me of how I treated people. And then repenting, turning to him and saying, God, fill me with that love that you said I'm your beloved. I want to live from that place of loving others. That's why the church's vision statement, love God and love. It's impossible to love God. The writer John says, 
if you hate others, dislike them. I discovered that there was a barrier of intimacy with God, going into a deeper love of God dependent and related to how I could forgive and love others. Matthew chapter five, verse 23 and 24. So if you presenting a sacrifice, we come to Sunday morning service to worship and sing sacrifices, uh, worship songs. It's a sacrifice at the altar of the temple. And you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar to go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Do you remember in the week of prayer leading up to Easter, the first night was repentance and confession. I believe God opens his heart. To our cries, our prayers, but he becomes silent when we haven't come to the place of confession and repentance in the area of unforgiveness. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God? We cannot see. And my last thought, and there are many other things I learned, but the last thought that was deepened in my life was I came to trust God with the unknowns. I came to trust this God who called me his beloved, that answered prayer, that shows me how to love other people and forgive them. I came to trust him. The word trust means to look to him as your source. That in your own life you can't do things. That you totally depend on him. I trust you for my breath, my life, for my sustenance. I've come to trust even when I don't understand him. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, the Lord says, My thoughts are not your, my thoughts and my ways are not like yours. Just as the heaven are higher than the earth, my thoughts and my ways are much higher than yours. I served in Mannenberg for a number of years, and one of the elders was a humble man, not a very learned man. I can't say it the way he would say it but he said it something like this pastor I'm so grateful God's not going to measure my head when I get to heaven he's going to measure my heart you see there's some things you will never understand this side of eternity Deuteronomy 29 29 there are some things the Lord our God has kept secret. But there are some things He has let us know. I've come to learn to come to Him as a good Father, a generous Father, a caring Father, as my Abba, generous with His love, 
like the prodigal son comes home after blowing it and messing up. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son Pedro, embraced him, and kissed him. God seeks for you, longs for you, sees your pain, sees your disappointments, sees your struggle. He says, come, come rest with me. Come, let me comfort you. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, in this time of silence before your face, of being aware of our own humanity, our own struggles, we come now into your peace that comes from your heart. While we're in this moment of silence, maybe you've never experienced God's love. Maybe they're still carrying pain that you struggle to trust Him. You struggle to believe Him again. Maybe your forgiveness is towards Him for disappointing you. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a church leader. Or maybe it's life. Would you come today to this loving God? Let Him love you as you are. If you've never come to Jesus in a a way of committing yourself to Him and saying, I'm coming, surrendering to you. I'm coming to that gateway of repentance. Come as I am. I'd love to pray for you. But I'd also like to lead you in a prayer if you don't know how to pray and what to pray. Will you join me and follow me in this prayer? Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am hurt and broken and disappointed but I give my life to you afresh I surrender myself to you as my Lord and Savior I'm receiving you into my life today if that's you you coming home to God And you would like me to pray for you because I would count it a privilege. Would you just slip your hand if you pray that prayer? I'd love to pray for you. God bless you. God bless. God bless. Their hands have been raised. God bless. It's an indicator to me, but it's actually your heart open to God. God bless at the back. It's an invitation from God. Lord, you've seen the hands raised. Now, if you would take them into your tender love for those who raise their hands will you just repeat this prayer with me dear Jesus I come as I am to you 
I come to your loving arms. I come to receive your mercy and grace. I come to take you as my Savior. In Jesus' name. And God's people say together, Amen. Let's give God a praise. We trust that you enjoyed listening to the sermon today. We would love to stay in touch with you about your next steps. Please send us a WhatsApp or contact us via our website. We would love to help you on your discipleship journey.